Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. against the best is sir you two characters are going to top gun i feel the need the need for speed for five weeks you're gonna fly against the best fighter pilots in the world you guys really are cowboys i don't like you because you're unsafe that's right i am dangerous the wild card flies by the seat of his pants I guess when I see something, I go right after it. It takes a lot more than just fancy flying. Film in the school is about combat. There are no points for second place. Figured it out yet? What's that? Who's the best pilot? You know, I think I can figure that one out on my own. Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis. Top Gun. Well, 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 welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema. I'm your host, Jimbo, and today I have a special guest host with me. His name is... Patrick Goodnight. I know it's been a long time. A lot of crazy things have been happening in the world. Um, Terrence isn't with me for this one. He has a new job, and we're trying to still figure out his schedule. He's still trying to get adjusted to it. So Patrick said he would step in and do a few episodes with me, so here we are. So, Patrick, as we know, you're filling in for Terrence. That doesn't mean you get off the hook for the question of the day. So, Patrick, the, oh, by the way, the movie we are talking about today is Top Gun. Um, we were scheduled to do The Lost Boys, but I do not want to do that without Terrence because I think I need him here for that because I'm just going to shred that movie to pieces <laughs> for how terrible it was. But we'll get to that at a later date. <laughs> well, that's a different story. Yeah. So, Patrick, since Terrence isn't here, your question of the day is, Patrick, this is Top Gun. This is a Tom Cruise movie. Give me your top three favorite Tom Cruise movies of all time. Well, I guarantee uh, Top Gun would be definitely number one. Um, as a whole, I really like the Mission Impossible series, but if you really had to break it down, I would probably say uh, Fallout is probably uh, up there as uh, number three. Number two, I would per personally have to say 
is uh, Days of Thunder. Uh, being a, a sports person, I also, you know, I, I enjoy that movie. You know, I, I have two more that kind of round out the top five. I really like Interview with a Vampire. Top five? I said three. Like, you're, to give you yeah. an inch, you take it. Well, then what's number four? Well, <clears throat> Mission Impossible, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, Top Gun's probably up there, but I really liked Minority Report. And the reason I liked Minority Report is because it was so different from anything you've seen. It was original. Um, and I like it when people, uh, directors go out of their way and they actually do a movie that you don't know nothing about. And it's not all these silly remakes of all time. So, there you have it. Uh, you can let us know what your... Legend was really good, if you remember Legend. Uh, I know you're probably too young to remember that, Patrick. <laughs> Actually, he's older than I am, so uh, he's going to get the brunt of my jokes for Terrence. I've got them all built up inside me. It's been a long time, fellas, so just bear with us. All right, Patrick, let's go ahead and take it away. Top Gun. Top Gun's release date was May 16, 1986. The uh, budget was $15 million. And uh, due to inflation? The, the inflation, inflation budget was uh, at 135.2%. It is uh, $35 million, $235 million two hundred eighty two thousand four hundred thirty six and thirteen cents. Uh box office was three hundred and fifty six point eight million. The inflation rate for it was eight hundred and thirty nine million two hundred and fifty one thousand five hundred and forty seven dollars and fifty or forty five cents. Uh writing credits, Jim Cash. Uh you forgot the director. Oh, I'm sorry. Director was Tony Scott. Do you know that Tony Scott, you know who his brother is, right? Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott, famous yep. aliens director. Yeah, Ridley Scott's done quite a bit of stuff. Yeah. Uh, writing credits is uh, Jim Cash, written by and directed by uh, Jack Epps Jr. I'm going to butcher this next name. <laughs> You're ma- playing Terrence perfectly. <laughs> the magazine article Top Guns uh, looks like it was written by Ehud Yone. Uh, screenplay uncredited was Warren Skarin. Now, Te- now, now, the Ehud Yone, whatever... The Top Gun was based off of a magazine article. Really? See, yeah. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, that's why uh, it's famous for it because that's, the magazine article was written by that guy. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, product. yeah, that's most definitely interesting. Of course, a lot of things seem like they're based off magazines or comics <laughs> or books. <clears throat> uh, technical specs. Runtime was an hour and 50 minutes, 110 minutes. Sound mix, Dolby Stereo, Dolby Digital, DTS-ES. Dolby Digital EX, and Dolby Atmos. It was in color. Aspect ratio was 1.331. 1, open map. 2, uh, 1, uh, 1998 DVD. 2.201, 70mm, 2.391. Camera was Panaflex camera and lenses by Panavision. The laboratory was Metro Color, Hollywood, California, USA Color. Film length, 3004 M, uh, Sweden. Meters, yeah. Negative format, 35 millimeter. Eastman, 125T, 527, 400T, 5294. Cinematography, here we go. Process, digital intermediate, 4K, 2020 remastered, Dolby Vision, Super 35, printed film format, 35mm anamorphic, Eastman, 
530 millimeter blow up Eastman 5384. And now we're going on to the award section. The Academy Awards USA 1987. I was 10 years old. <laughs> yep, so was I. I'm not that much older. You gotta remember. <laughs> um, it was nominated for Best Music Original Song, Oscar winner, Gior- Giorgio Morador Music, Tom Whitlock Lyrics, for the song Take My Breath Away. Best Sound, Donald O. Mitchell, Kevin O'Connell, Rich Klein, and William B. Kaplan. Yeah, but those were just nominees. They didn't win that yeah. one. They won the first one. Yeah, they won the first one. So another nominee was what? Best Filming Editor, Billy Weber, Chris Lebezon, and uh, Best Effects, Sound Effects Editing, Cecilia Hall, and George Waters II. Golden Globes, USA, 1987. Winner Golden Globe for Best Original Song, Motion Picture, Giorgio Mordor again, Tom Whitlock Lyrics, Song Take My Breath Away. Uh, also nominee for Golden Globe, Best Original Score, Motion Picture, Harold Faltemeyer. ASCAP Film and Television Music Awards, 1987. Top Box Office Films, Harold Faltemeyer. Winner ASCAP Award. Once again, most performed song from a motion picture, Giorgio Mordor, Tom Whitlock, Take My Breath Away. Take the ring to Mordor, (laughs) Mr. Frodo. Awards of the Japanese Academy, 1988. Awards of the Japanese Academy nominee, Best Foreign Language Film. Brit Awards, 1987. Winner Brit, Best Soundtrack. Golden Screen Germany, 1987, winner Golden Screen. Grammy Awards, 1987, winner Grammy. Best Pop Instrumental Performance, Orchestra, Group, or Soloist, Harold Faltemeyer, Steve Simmons for the Top Gum Anthem, which I really enjoyed the Top Gum Anthem. I think I used to have it as my phone ringtone back in the day. I think I even paid 99 cents for it back in the day. Motion Picture Sound Editors USA, 1987, winner Golden Reel Award. Best Sound Editing for Sound Effects. Best Sound Editing ADR. National Film Preservation Board, USA 2015. Winner, National Film Registry, National Film Preservation Board. People's Choice Awards, USA 1987. Winner, People's Choice Awards for Favorite Motion Picture. And does that conclude the awards? And that concludes the awards. <laughs> See, he did all right. He was he was worried he was going to struggle through it. And I was like, don't worry, Taron struggles all the time through it. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to the cast. Um, and Patrick, when I when I read the names of, I'll, I'll give you the names, and then I want to tell you the people that could have played the role, that tried out for the role, or turned down the role. And I want you to give me. Could you see it? Could you not see it? Or you hated them? Okay. Some people right. you may not know. Yeah, you say I don't yeah. know. So, obviously, the lead role went to Tom Cruise. His call sign was Maverick. Um, he actually turned down the role to be a Benny. He kept turning down, turning down, until Jerry Brockheimer arranged for him to ride with the Blue Angels. And they said that the first time that he went up, he was puking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, here's some people that were uh, that turned down the role. Matthew Modine, because he said it was uh, too many Cold War politics. Patrick Swayze. And see, I don't know if I could have seen Patrick Swayze. Uh, I think I could see him more as uh, the Val Kilmer role. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely, definitely could see him there. as the uh, Val Kilmer role. Emilio Estevez. Uh, 
<laughs> see, Melio Estevez seemed more like the party type. I don't think I could see him in a... Uh, I could see him in the movie, but I just don't yeah, know as far I, as Maverick. Nicholas Cage. Absolutely not. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is one of those monotone actors that I cannot see. Uh, John Cusack. I could see John Cusack, possibly. Uh, Matthew Broderick. It, most definitely, I think Matthew Broderick, because he was uh, he did quite a few movies in that era. And I, Sean I Penn. I think Sean Penn could definitely be in the movie, but I don't think I could see him in that role. Michael J. Fox. I, no, I could see Michael J. Fox. I, I, I think it's possible. Uh, he wouldn't be my first choice, but I could see him playing that role. Scott Bale. <sighs> Once again, I could see him in the movie. I don't know if I could see him in that role. Tom Hanks. Some of these are so hard. I think Tom Hanks another one. I think he look at Forrest Gump driving. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tom Hanks could definitely be in the movie, but I don't think I could see him in that role either. Uh, Janet Graham. Not really sure who that is. Yeah, I'm not sure who that. Charlie is. Charlie Sheen. He he did do <laughs> he did do Hot Shots with a spoof off of this movie. Yeah, you know I I, I can honestly see him. I mean it, you Jim Carrey. Kind of no, I, I, I no no Rob Lowe. I think definitely. I think Rob Lowe could have yes. Kevin Bacon. I, I think he could have been in it, yes. Eric Stoltz. I'm not sure who that I can't is. Pre- I, we did a movie with him in and I just I can't really remember. Breakfast Club, maybe somewhere. Robert Downey Jr. Wow, I, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, I, I could have seen Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Charlie that. Sheen, they said the reason, because they really wanted him, but they deemed finally deemed that he was too young to play the role. Uh, well, Cruz was only 26. John Travolta. See, I could see him in it, but I don't know if... They actually went after him, but his agent had him priced way too high. Oh, yeah. Is this Eric Stoltz? Fast Time at Ridgemont High, yeah. And he was uh, in uh, Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. I'm not sure which... You know, th- those are some of his top yeah. movies, but... All right, so we're moving on to number two. Uh, Val Kilmer, he played the Iceman, and I really, lo- I love Val Kilmer, man. This, I love him in Willow. I loved him in this. Yeah, Willow. Um, he's 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 probably one of my favorite actors. Um, I like Kevin Costner a lot too, but I love a lot of stuff that Val Kilmer's done. So here we go, the Tatum O'Neill. No, hang on. Is, is this no, for people? So hang on, hang on. No, that's a girl. You don't. Want to well, yeah. No, but uh, I skipped over Kelly McGillis, which was the love. It's just she played Charlie. So this is a, here we go. Uh, she was famous for the movie Witness. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. Um, Brooke Shields. See, I could have definitely seen Brooke Shields. Oh uh, yeah, there. Brooke Shields was the heartthrob of the eighties. <laughs> I think Brooke Shields could have been in anything and been on. Uh, Deborah Winger. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, be honest with you. Ali Sheedy. It's possible. Yeah, she uh, turned down the role because she didn't think anyone would want to see a movie about fighter pilots. <laughs> she later regretted it uh, because she's turned into such a big hit. Uh, Tatum O'Neill? I'm, I'm not sure who that is, okay. honestly. Jodie Foster. See, I, see, I, I could have possibly seen Jodie Foster in it. She, uh, it's, a, it's a small possibility. Daryl Hannah? I don't think she would have been right for that role. Diane Lane? Another one. I'm not sure. Sarah uh, Jessica Parker. <laughs> we were just talking. About I know. Uh, no, I, I don't think I could have seen her in that role. Linda Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure on that one. Carrie Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think That's I could. That's really seen. interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely would have been interesting, but I don't think I could have seen her in that. And this lady named um, Linda Fiorentino. Not sure who yeah, that I'm is. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. So carrying on with the cast, we had Anthony Edwards, who played Goose. Uh, 
uh, famous, or and then there was Tom Skerritt who played Viper. Um, you, did you uh, you skipped over Val Kilmer? No, you, there was no other news about it. He played ah, he played okay, Iceman. Okay. Uh, so the Tom Skerritt character uh, who played Viper, um, Lou Gossett Jr. Wasn't he in Iron Eagle? He was in Iron Eagle. Yeah, yeah. He, this is Top Gun though. This is yeah, Iron Eagle. Yeah, but yes. And then uh, the other one for that role was John Voight. I see. I could have definitely seen John Voight. John yeah. Voight has and that. Tom Skerritt. He's famous for the movie Alien, which was like we mentioned, directed by Ridley or Tony Scott's brother, Ridley yeah. Scott. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Michael Ironside played Jester. Uh, John Stockwell played Cougar. Uh, Barry Tubb uh, played Wolfman. Rick Rosovich played Slider. Tim Robbins played Merlin, which was famous for we talked about Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Several other films. Yeah, a lot of those actors have ha- had smaller roles. None of them were huge. Clarence Gilliard Jr. played Sundown. Whip Hubley played Hollywood. James Tolkien, Stinger. Meg Ryan played Carol. Adrian Pastar played Chipper. Now, see, if you want to look down at the cast, I honestly, I, I possibly could have seen, even though this was one of her earlier films, I could have seen Meg Ryan maybe in the role that uh, Kelly McGillis played. Probably, but uh, like I said, they liked her so much in that movie Witness, they've already seen what she could do. So, uh, Mickey Rourke was also offered a role, but he turned it down. See, I could have seen Mickey Rourke as possibly as the the, uh, Amaral on the uh, aircraft carrier. (laughs) I I think he could have done that. But you got to remember, this was a long time ago. They were a lot younger than what you see them now. So, uh, their their experiences may not be there. So, okay, here we go. We're going to talk about the movie. Um, this is different than our Twilight Zone series because we don't really go to the movie step by step by step. We actually just talk about things from the movie and put them into perspective. And then here at the towards the end of this, I'm going to start talking about the uh, soundtrack for this movie because it has a lot of stuff to talk about. So we'll get to the soundtrack towards the end of it. Um, this is one of, this is one of the funniest things that I found that the real Top Gun school imposes a $5 fine any time or any of the staff members quotes a line from the movie. Really? <laughs> I think it would be worth five bucks, you know? Uh, I, I would, I would well, just... It's definitely got one of those uh, one of those movies that's got a lot of lines from it. Right. That, I mean, I, I, I would pay a $5 fine just to say something, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> might, might even say it a couple times. Um, when they were uh, in the hangar... And, you know, uh, Charlie's asking Maverick, well, how, how did he give the bird to the MiG? She asks, how did you see it up that close? He says he was flying inverted. Uh, that's when the Iceman uh, calls an explosive that we won't say, and uh, <laughs> all the guys laugh. The, the line was actually ad-libbed by Val Kilmer, and everyone's reactions are genuine that you see on the, on the thing. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, a sad thing is that there was a loss of life during this. Uh, the stuntman, uh, Art Shaw, was killed during the production of the movie at the age of 54. Uh, he died when his pit, Pitt's S2 camera plane failed to recover from a flat spin and plunged into the Pacific Ocean. Skull's last words over the radio were, I have a problem, I have a real problem. The exact cause of the crash was never determined and neither the aircraft nor Schnoll's body or Skull's body was ever recovered. The film is dedicated to him. Something I did not know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of act, a lot of stuntmen and all that lose their lives during yeah, a lot I of mean, films. Yeah, I mean, stuntmen are really underrated. You know, they they put their bodies on the line for something that right. some actors don't want to do. Um, 
Anthony Edwards, he was the only actor who didn't vomit while in the fighter jets because <laughs> they, they took them all up. And, and a lot, of, a lot of the research that I read that um, they would have actually um, a real pilot in front of them, and they were all sitting behind them. Yeah, yeah. And so they could get the same film, and they just did some uh, computer magic or whatever. But they said that a lot of them were getting sick. You know, what I mean, filling well, up their barf bags. I say a lot of those uh, Air Force jets or two seater. You know. And this movie had a lot of um, famous, uh, actually Navy veterans and, and generals and all that in it and one of them uh, is uh, the real life viper uh, peter Pettigrew. he was a retired navy pilot and the top, and top gun instructor and shot down a mig during the vietnam war uh, he served as a consultant for the film but it was the uh his, his role is he was charlie's older date at the officers club at the beginning of the movie yeah i thought that was cool yeah that's kind of cool <laughs> val kilmer didn't want to do this film Really? Yeah, but he was, you know, contractually obligated to do this film. So, well, see, it's, it's shocking because I just looked at his credits. You know, this was his first big role. He had a little tiny cameo in a ABC special, but outside of that, this was his first role. I'm surprised that. Well, when did Willow come out? Willow came out four years later. Yeah, this was his first big role. I just looked at his uh, casting, and it's kind of shocking that really, unless he just had that. Willow came big out in 1990. No, it came out in 80. Uh, this was only 86. Hang on. See, I just looked Might have been 88. Um, you do that. Um, so let's see here. Another, another big thing about this movie is anybody that knows anything about Tom Cruise knows that he's a man of short stature. Okay. <laughs> Although he plays larger than life on television screens, he's a short man. He's only 5'7". I think my uh, daughter's taller than him. She's already five. Man, well, she's five six, five seven. I don't know. She's up there. But uh, Kelly McGillis was five ten. So Tom Cruise would have to actually play. Yeah. So back to what we were saying. Willow came out in eighty eight. But yeah, this is. I mean, th- this was it. This was his first big role. How dare you say that? Top Secret wasn't a big movie. <laughs> uh, so Tom Cruise would wear special cowboy boots, and he wore lifts in his shoes just so he could be. Then Kelly McGillis, they went; she wouldn't wear any shoes just so that he could be, you know, eye to eye with her or whatever. Uh, let's see here. Then the, the Navy actually did uh, two actual missile missile shots for the movie, but they only did two. All the other missile shots shown in the movie were conducted using miniatures on both the planes and the rockets. The company that produced and fired the model missiles did such a good job that the Department of the Navy conducted a preliminary investigation into whether any additional live firings of missiles beyond the two originally authorized were done for the filmmakers. <laughs> so that's some good special effects, especially yeah. if you have the government saying, whoa, we only said you could have two firings. Uh, let's see here. Uh, after the car chase, uh, when Charlie tells Mammy that she didn't want anyone to find out she was falling for him, Maverick originally had a line to say, Tom Cruise actually forgot what line to say, and he ad-libbed by kissing Kelly McGillis instead. Tony Scott liked it so much, he left the scene in, just like that. And one of my favorite scenes in the movie is she's driving like a like a crazy person, <laughs> cutting through traffic and causing almost accidents. Is that when he's on his motorcycle? Yeah, too? when he's on his motorcycle, yeah, he's, he's mad at her, so he takes off, and she follows him and chases him through the streets, and she's running stop signs and red lights, and... Um. Something that was cool, if you, when you watch this movie, you can tell that Maverick and Iceman do not like each other. Uh, that Ma- Iceman thinks that Maverick's reckless, um, that he's going to get people killed. Uh, but 
I think some of it too is they had a good bond with the uh, previous team that was supposed to be in Top Gun, and he felt that he weaseled his way into it, and he wasn't a big fan of that. Right, and uh, part partly due to good acting, but also that they kept their distance from each other and never socialized on the set, which actually kept them in character, and I thought that's really cool. Um, the lady, uh, Charlie, uh, the lady that Charlie portrays is actually based on a real-life woman named Christine Fox. She was a civilian flight instructor that the producers met on a visit to Miramar while doing research to prepare for this movie. Fox eventually rose through the ranks at the Pentagon, retiring in May 2014 as Acting Deputy Secretary of Defense, the highest post ever held by a woman at the Department of Defense. That's and I didn't know that, that either. Yeah, I, I didn't know she was fact. based on a thing either. Uh, no one had ever buzzed the tower at Miramar before. <laughs> <laughs> Those that have seen this movie. And by the way, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, it is on the list of a thousand one movies you must see before you die. But there's also uh, some spoilers we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. That's some touching stuff. So if you don't want to be ruined and you've never seen this movie, you might want to stop right here because it's going to get into some crazy. But so nobody had buzzed the pilot uh, or buzzed the tower before. Uh, the Navy pilots who were flying the scenes with him all drew straws to see who's going to be able to get to do it. Uh, it went to actual Lieutenant Commander Lloyd Bozo Abel. Michael Ironside just happened to be at the hangar that day, and the plane flew low enough to where he could actually see into the cockpit as it flew by. Wow. He said it was one of the most spectacular things that he ever saw. Um, let's see. So, like I said... Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer had to convince Tom Cruise to do this, uh, for the, to sign on, and after he was reluctant to do it. So he says, so the Navy, they take Tom up there and they go, or do 5Gs, they do barrels, they do everything. He's heaving in the plane, he gets on the tarmac, runs to the payphone, and he says, I'm in, I'm doing the movie, I love it, this is great. <laughs> so I didn't know if puking would make you want to roll, but I guess, you know. Uh, this is crazy too. The Pentagon charged Paramount Pictures $1.8 million to use all their planes and aircraft carriers for the film. Wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But I guess uh, But they were authentic. Is... They were authentic, authentic yeah, to yeah. the movie too. Well, there's so. a lot of movies that do that though. They, they, they like to use the, uh, the actual Army and Navy facilities and people. And... Yeah, but I thought that was really cool. I got to find this real quick. There's a. Here it is. So. Tom Cruise had never ridden a motorcycle before this movie. Hmm. Uh, he uh, actually went to the House of Motorcycles in El Cajun, California to learn. They taught him in the parking lot of their shop. It was just funny because you see him in Mission Impossible. I think he rides one, two, four, or some three or four. Then he have a, a ride. Yeah, oh yeah, he's riding, ridden a, a motorcycle in quite a few films. The, but the motorcycle that he uh, rode was, uh, at the time, the fastest production motorcycle in the world. It was the Kawasaki Ninja 900 slash GPZ900R. So there you go. Um, but, boy, once he... He must have been a quick learner because some of the scenes he was doing, I still probably can't even hold a motorcycle up even though I've always yeah, wanted I'd to. Yeah, I'd be one of those. I'd be on the motorcycle. <laughs> You'd be one of those ones that break their own leg <laughs> just from sitting at a red leg and falls over on top of me. But that's for a different episode, right, man? <laughs> See, what you guys don't realize, there's some truth to what I'm saying about <sighs> breaking your own leg. So we'll just leave it at that. That's for a different... Another time. You know the ones that they say at the uh, end of Conan the Barbarian, or what? That's for a different, different, different story, different time. Uh, 
all of Maverick's stunt flying in the film was done by Scott Altman, who later went on to become an astronaut. See, I'm kind of shocked because I know that's one thing that Tom Cruise is known for is doing all the stunts. Yeah, but yeah, I remember this is young in his career. I know, I know more recently, like the Mission Impossible. I remember, I think it was, what's the one where he was on the airplane at the top and he actually went up there and harnessed up to the airplane? Yeah, yeah, the one who climbed the building. He, he actually prides himself in doing a lot of his yeah. uh, stunts nowadays. This is funny, too. For the opening film, director Tony Scott wanted to shoot the aircraft taking off and landing on the aircraft carrier backlit by the sun, if you remember yeah. uh, this. Uh, the carrier captain had to ch- uh, had changed course of the ship, and when Scott asked if the ship could continue on the previous course and speed, he was told that turning the ship cost $25,000. Scott then wrote a captain a quick $25,000 check so the ship could be turned and he could keep shooting for another five minutes. Hmm. According to Scott, the check bounced. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so mad if I turned the ship around. But for five minutes, for 20, that's $5,000 a minute. Wow. I mean, that's that's a lot of money. Um, Meg Ryan and Anthony Edwards actually became an item after the film concluded. Which, they had good chemistry on the on the movie. I can't say nothing about it. Uh, this is the article. For, it was in the May... Uh, for what this movie was inspired by, it was an article in the May 1983 issue of California Magazine about the U.S. Navy's Top Gun School. In the last scene in which Maverick is sitting at the counter, you see someone go to the jukebox and put in a quarter for you've lost that loving feeling. Which, can we talk about that scene at the beginning of the movie? That is one of my favorites. Uh, so, basically, Charlie walks into the bar and and, and uh, Goose is there with uh, Maverick. Maverick. And he's like, oh, oh, I think she's lost it. And she's and he's like, like, no, no. I, I, hate, it I hate it when she does that. And if you haven't seen it, it's so funny. Just You can look it up on YouTube. Uh so when he and Charlie walk up to each other, Cummins McGillis is actually standing in a trench <laughs> that was dug by the Hollywood technicians because they wanted the two to look like they were the same height. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the elevator scene in which Charlie and uh, Maverick meet after his workout was filmed post-production. Kelly McGillis's hair had been colored for another movie role, which is why she is wearing a hat. And Tom Cruise's hair is longer in the shot as well because he was on, on set for another movie. Uh, in order to stay in character, Cruz was sit far away from the rest of the cast in between takes. Um, let's see. I need to put this on the soundtrack one, so we'll look at that here in a little bit. Let me see. Uh, I don't think there's been any of those so far that I need to see. Okay. Um, this is the highest grossing film in 1986. I think I got in here uh, the movies that it beat. I think Platoon was number three. I'll tell you the other one I get to. I say, it. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably one of the highest grossing. You know, we'll, we done the inflation uh, cor- rate period. According to uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, the script was skeletal. All a lot of the humor was discovered at the moment as they were going along, and I can only imagine with all them guys picking on each other. Uh, this is cool. Uh, Tom Cruise's flight suit was later put on display at Planet Hollywood. We used to have a Planet Hollywood downtown. I don't know if you ever went to it. Yeah, I think I've been in downtown Indianapolis. We had them, the but it, I mean, a lot of those are gone now. I don't even know if any of them are still around. Uh, a test audience who saw the movie before it was released was annoyed that there was no love scene. The producers obliged, and five months after the production had wrapped, they summoned Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis to Chicago to film the infam- infamous elevator scene and the sex scenes. During their time away from the set, McGillis had lost approximately 16 pounds, and Cruise was actually filming The Color of Money. So his hair was much longer to the two scenes. Uh, McGillis's hair was darker because she dyed it. We discussed that. It's funny how a lot of times in movies that they actually go back and after they've already done something, yeah, yeah, and call the cast back for a scene. Well, or there was a movie recently where literally I think it was like two weeks away from premiering, 
and they made a change. They made a big change. It's like you know, it wasn't death related or anything like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you know, it's just intriguing that they they go back and they're like, hey, there's something else that we want to add. Uh, John Carpenter and David Cronenberg both turned down the chance to direct this movie. John Carpenter, that'd be a pretty interesting movie. <laughs> um, oh, here it is. This uh, Top Gun was a highest grossing film. It took in 177 million dollars in the U.S. alone, and 356 million dollars were what Australian hit Crocodile Dundee for all my Australian listeners. What's up? Good day. Put another shrimp on the barbie. Oh, I'm sorry. Put another prawn on the barbie. Because uh, uh, I got corrected one time because I said shrimp on the barbie. They said, no, no. We put prawns on the barbie. I was like, okay. Uh, it was the second biggest film of the year with a Platoon coming in third. I knew Platoon was up there. I just couldn't remember where it was. Uh, the, f- the film was originally going to have a scene near the end of the movie where Maverick visited Goose's grave. Yes, Goose does die from a training accident in this movie. A uh, film version of the scene was never released. However, still sc- still screenshots from what such a scene would have looked like are available on the special edition DVD. Which I have. <laughs> yeah. uh, Goose was originally supposed to have died in a flaming crash aboard an aircraft carrier, but the Navy objected. Uh, and the scene was changed to the training accident. Uh, the, 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 yeah. the Navy didn't want a lot of uh, bad publicity about as far as hey, come to the Navy, you could die. <laughs> you know what I mean, basically. Um, and they, they did put out a lot of... Um, boost and everything at this they said it was the highest enrollment that they had it was up over 500 percent to get into their flight school now is that the training accident that the uh, stuntman died on was that particular incident because i that mean I that don't sounds kind of like the same thing yeah because it did, to did, did the, the dead spin into the uh... right uh so there's more of that oh this is cool too uh, the piano scene and the final bar jukebox scene were shot in san diego restaurant called kansas city barbecue and at the corner of Kettner Boulevard and West Harbor Drive. I've actually been to that the, place. The restaurant, the restaurant housed many props and memorabilia from the film. However, on June 26, 2008, Kansas City Barbecue suffered a grease fire that destroyed much of the interior of the establishment. The restaurant has since been repaired to its original state, but much of the Top Gun memorabilia was on display was damaged or destroyed. The two most prominent pieces that remain are the piano, which had to be relocated to another corner of the bar, and one of the original Maverick flight helmets used during filming, which sits in a locked display case behind the bar. The helmet shown some slight damage uh, as the heat from the fire caused the plastic visor to bubble and warp. Uh, the line, I feel the need, the need for speed, was ranked number 94 on AFI's top list of 100 uh, movie quotes. Tom, no surprise, Tom Cruise and Kelly Mielis did not get along during this film, uh, but they did briefly reunite in 20, uh, 2010 for the premiere of Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, what? in 2010. Why would he be there for that? Because he wasn't involved in that. But that doesn't mean they can't go to the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, true. Uh... Anthony Edwards had no idea he was going to sing and pretend to play the piano in one scene. Tony Scott was listening to Jerry Lee Lewis that morning and it last minute. I mean, I <laughs> and what was that song that he sang? Uh, Great Balls of Fire, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, that's another one for the soundtrack that I... All my notes are all jumbled up right here, so... I'm, uh, the film... This film is credited for starting the home video industry. Originally, VHS tapes were priced at $100 upon their first release and were sold mainly to video stores. This film was priced to own immediately upon release, made possible by Pepsi-Cola buying ad space at the beginning of the tape. 
Since then, pricing VHS tapes to own right away became a common practice. $100. Yep, I remember the first VCR we got was $450. What was the first uh, movies you got on your VHSs? Do you remember your VCRs? Well, back then it was hard to come across. I mean, I waited three years for Willow to come out. You know, it was it was not like DVDs where they come out, you know, and that we had, we were uh, mainly a lot of Disney shows, I think, back then. I think the, the very first classics. the very first two movies that we bought on our, VH, our VCR was uh, Beach Blanket, Bingo, Frankie, Avalon, and Annette Funicello, and I picked out Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I yeah. mean... Now, see, we did... We were... Uh, weekly visitors to the uh, video store down the street so we rented a lot of ours at that time uh let's see then we talked about that the navy recruiting oh here you go in 1986 jet 86 jet fuel was pretty cheap only about a dollar a gallon however paramount still paid ten thousand dollars an hour every time they went up to film an f-14 dollar a gallon that's not bad uh, this this was really cool, I thought. This is one of the first films to be selected for the Cinema 52 Project, in which a subject watches a film 52 times over the course of a year. Revelations of note about Top Gun resulting from this experiment include Tom Cruise blinks 469 times, the word THE is spoken 223 times, and the average time between Air Boss Johnson coffee spills is 27 minutes and 23 seconds. <laughs> That's all we should do. We should have everybody here... Uh, watch a movie uh the same movie for uh a whole entire year see what everybody can come up with every week i don't know what movie it would be because um let's see the scene in which uh, maverick follows charlie into the bathroom was filmed at the headquarters building at recruit training command in san diego which was the naval training center installation which was later demolished in the 1990s to make way for more navy housing before the headquarters building could be inspected for demolition, the bathroom counter that Maverick leans on in stress test was stolen. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> stole the casting counter. <laughs> um, well, there is uh, one of the unused call signs. There was actually one called Tombstone, which can be seen on a black fighter pilot helmet with three red arrows and a promotional photos featuring Jerry Brockheimer and Don Simpson. Uh, let's see. Uh, Charlie's house is actually located in Oceanside, California, which is Patrick's birthplace. That's where I was born, yes. yes and it just went, and well, there, it, it still stands as a tourist attraction. This yeah, uh, San Diego, El Cajon, and Oceanside, that area, there's a military facility. No wonder you're so messed up. <laughs> California explains a lot. Um, they said that Tony Scott only had a few minutes to film the sex scene. You know, they had to get in and oh, get yes, out. They had to get, you know, brought him back. Right. You know, and I wonder. I wonder if I wonder if uh, Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis actually got paid more to come back and do that, or if it was oh, still, sure or if did. it was still part of their official. Hey, you know, if we need you to come back and film some extra scenes, it was in their contract. Uh, see, those are the things from the thing. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, okay, here you go. This is really cool, and I. Uh, um, Along the movie is mentioned several times in a prior incident that Maverick had with the Admiral's daughter named Penny Benjamin. Despite Penny never being uh, never seen on screen in the movie, she finally will make her appearance in Maverick's new love interest in Top Gun Maverick, which is set was set to come out already, I think, this year. But it's yeah. been, you it's know, supposedly been pushed back to December, but that's hearsay since due they... to COVID. But she will be played by Jennifer Connelly, so Patrick's favorite. <laughs> All right, the soundtracks are really, there. Not really. Uh, 
one of the things is Tom Cruise can be seen sporting a healthy unibrow in this movie. <laughs> um, kind of, this is the eighth acting credit of both Tom Cruise and Meg Ryan. They were the same age during the filming and both made their debut in 1981. And contrary to popular belief, a script for Top Gun 2 was completely or completed shortly after the release of this film, but it broke down in pre-production because, number one, the military's technology had become updated and they didn't want camera crew anywhere near their new aircraft. And number two, Tom Cruise did not want a sequel and finally agreed to star in one for the very high amount that was deemed unaffordable. The script followed the further adventures of Maverick as an instructor at the Top Gun Academy, the twist being a cocky female reminiscent of himself joins the team. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about the soundtrack. And I have just as many notes for the soundtrack as I do the movie. So uh, this is a great, great soundtrack. Yes, um, one of the more iconic soundtracks for uh, movies. So Kenny Loggins was not the first choice to record the song Danger Zone. Uh, it was actually Toto and REO Speedwagon were the two groups considered prior to Loggins. Which, hey. Loggins did a good job. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Judas Priest was asked to contribute the song Reckless to the soundtrack, but declined because they thought the movie would flop. Two years later, they contributed a cover of Johnny Be Good in 1988 to the movie of the same name, which turned out to be a huge flop. <laughs> so, uh, Brian Adams was asked to allow his song Only the Strong Survive on the soundtrack, but he refused because he felt the film glorified war. Whatever, Brian Adams, get out of here. <laughs> uh, just before the film uh, started production, one of the producers announced they wanted to use the Bruce Springsteen song, Born in the USA, but attempts to secure the song were unsuccessful. I'd been a pretty cool addition. Yeah. Uh, Terry Nunn of Berlin states in an interview that she and her band were in Taiwan when they received a call letting her know that the song, Take My Breath Away, was being nominated for an Oscar and asking her to fly out to Los Angeles to perform the song at the Academy Awards. She told them that she would only do it if she could sing the entire song. She was told that they wouldn't that wouldn't be the case as the song was going to be sung in a medley with the other nominated songs. None turned it down. None says she deeply regrets her decision, especially upon finding out that Take My Breath Away won the Oscar for Best Song. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Uh, the original soundtrack uh, release initially only included s original songs written expressly for the movie. Uh, sorry. Yeah, I don't for the movie. In 2000, the soundtracks were re-released to include You've Lost That Loving Feeling, Great Balls of Fire, and Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, existing songs which were prominently featured in the movie. Yeah, see, I actually had this, the uh, second remake. So the, did I, because it had the You Lost That Loving Feeling on it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> uh, an official release of Harold Fettman's score for... Uh, Falter uh, Meyer's score for the film has never been done. Two pieces of score appear on the current soundtrack, but the complete score has yet to be released. Really? I'd like to hear it. Yeah, that'd definitely be a, uh, interesting here. Uh, the Harold uh, Falter Meyer's score, music score was the first to be performed and recorded on the polyphonic 16-bit stereo Synclavier digital music system. Instead of songs on the film's iconic soundtrack, the first trailer for the movie only featured one unrelated number, the Cars song Stranger Eyes from their album Heartbeat City. Uh, the song Charlie and Maverick discuss at her house is Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. Eerily and inappropriately, uh, Otis Redding died in an airplane crash. Mm. So that's, that's weird. Uh, Taking My Breath Away was offered to the motels 
who subsequently recorded and submitted their own demo of the song. Lead singer Martha Davis knew that the song would be a huge hit, but was ultimately satisfied that their version was passed over as she wanted her and the band to be better remembered for the songs they wrote themselves. And let's see. Director Tony Scott and producer Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson was so impressed with the song Take My Breath Away that they decided to film more romantic scenes between Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis to feature the song. See, I'm not a really big fan of this song. It's I, okay, I don't either. It's not near There's me. a song on the soundtrack called um, Heaven in Your Eyes I think would have been really, really better to place there. But it's a great soundtrack. Um, it's... it's well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Kenny Loggins' upbeat song Danger Zone is played three times in the film, which is more than any other song. There is even a thrilling scene in which Maverick races a Tomcat taking off on his motorbike for the song play. <laughs> and last, Tom Whitlock wrote the lyrics for Take My Breath Away while driving home from the studio and then spent a few hours at home polishing them. So, hey, I'm just going to drive home and I'm going to write this song. Um, so, Patrick, give me your thoughts on the movie Top Gun. Uh... During that uh, era, I think Top Gun was definitely one of the uh, highlights of the 80s. Uh, overall, I, it's one of my top favorite movies. I think it's easily probably in my top five. I just I, I, I enjoy the, uh, the uh, Air Force uh, aspect of it. I enjoy the story. I'd change a few things. I'd move a few things around. But overall, I'd definitely give it probably a 9 out of 10. What did you think about the volleyball scene? <laughs> I, I enjoyed the song. I was just actually looking at that song. That was one of my favorite songs of the playing with the boys. I, you know, I'm, the way I hear it, this the uh, scene's so iconic. They're actually having it in the second one as well. There's going to be a volleyball scene in the oh, uh, no. second. Um, yeah, I like the movie. I, I don't know. It's not one of my favorites. I guess. I mean, I can watch it. Uh, but to me, it's it's just not my type of movie. Uh, it's good. I really enjoy it. I love the music in it. I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan, though, and I think that does a lot for me. I like Val Kilmer, but I'm just not a big Tom Cruise See, fan. See, I'm opposite. I'm not a big Val Kilmer fan, but I really like Tom Cruise. Uh, I, I don't... It's probably because I like a lot of his Mission Impossible movies. I like a lot of his newer stuff, you know. But, I mean, Kilmer's really, you know, kind of falling off. I, I was never really a big fan. I mean, I liked Willow, but... Uh, he did a lot of good movies, like The Saint. Yeah, uh, At yeah, First yeah Sight. The Saint and Heat were two of my favorites. Heat, that I right. Yeah. Um, so but, but the soundtrack is one that you can put on when you're driving, and you just you start speeding. <laughs> I feel the need for speed. Fortunately, the officer that I got pulled over with said the same thing. But uh, what? Go By the ahead. way, go, going back to what we, you asked me earlier, question day. I know what my fourth favorite movie for Tom Cruise is. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! What is it? Jerry Maguire. <laughs> oh, stop. Show me the money. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, you talk about singing in a car. It reminded me of uh, him singing uh, Free Fallen. Yeah. Um, so, if you haven't seen this movie, at least give it a watch. It has, um, especially like Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer, uh, Kelly McGillis. Um, I think it's one of the highest cat. Granted, they were a lot of newer actors and actresses, but I think it's one of the uh, more well-put-together casts at that time. Something you kind of see in the Avenger movies nowadays and stuff like that where you see a lot of actors. I mean, when you look at it then, you know, there's a lot of big names in that cast. 12 or 14 people went on to have really successful careers. Yeah, it's it's definitely a movie to watch. So, I think we're coming down to the end of this. Um, we might sit here and record a Twilight Zone or two uh, episode. Um, there's also something we're working on that probably won't be released till October... Hopefully, it might be sooner, but I'm, I'm shooting for my birthday around October. Uh, Patrick's helping me with something that uh, a lot of people don't know about. 
but it will be interesting. Uh, we're enjoying what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's definitely going to be fun. Yeah, uh, be it's, it's crazy it. doing what we're doing. And, and, and well, I'm not going to say too much because I'll give it away if I keep going. But um, I think that we're done with this episode. I'm not sure what our next movie will be. Um, I know I do have the notes for uh, The Lost Boys Done, Waiting on Terrence. Um, if Terrence doesn't make it back, we'll pick another movie and go with it until he comes back. Um, so, Terrence, get your... Uh, stuff together <laughs> uh, get your uh, schedule straightened out I know he's he's trying to get adjusted to that new work schedule um, so well thanks again for listening um, I think that's a wrap on this episode and cut <laughs>